Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White and today myself, Simon Jordan and Danny Murphy asked if Chelsea have won the transfer window already. And is the top four a minimum requirement for Pochettino? Plus, what now for Crystal Palace? Are they going backwards? And how do Manchester City find a temporary solution to Kevin De Bruyne's absence? Could it have an impact on this title race? This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. The arrival, Danny, of Lavia and Olise, and we'll talk about Olise in a second, will take Chelsea's net spending, net spending, to £631 million since the Bully takeover just last year. They also plan to sign a goalkeeper uh, uh, as well this month. I mean, have they won the window, Danny? If Olise's at, first off, you, you rate Olise highly, right? He's a talent, yeah. Yeah. So the I'm not sure he's better about, than what they've got, but he's a, he's a super talent. Have they won the window then with the players they've got in? <clears throat> Well, it looks a really good window. I wouldn't say they've won the window till if, unless they end up next season in the Champions League and with a trophy, then you could say they've won it. But right now, they're just buying players, aren't they? And they're buying a lot of players who aren't ready-made, aren't established. So there's a huge question mark over their business, although they are doing a lot of it. So no, I wouldn't say they've won it, but they've certainly had a, a busy window. Um, they've still got a big fight in their hands to get in the top four, Chelsea. I mean, should, but yeah, but should Pochettino now view delivering top four as the minimum requirement absolutely. with his squad? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I maintained that they would do that as a matter of course. Um, but he you, has. You actually said before these signings came in, Simon, that yeah. Chelsea would come back yeah, strong. Yeah, I, I thought that they would come back. I, did, I thought they brought in a manager that was very capable of getting them into the higher echelons mm. of the Premier League. I don't think they brought in a manager that's going to win in the Premier League, but that's a different discussion. But the point is, is I didn't think Chelsea would have another season like last season, anything vaguely resembling it. There's still going to be a work in progress, but Pochettino, will, I think, will need to hit the ground running. There's a lot of talented players in that dressing room, there's a lot of capable players. I'm not sure they 
particularly squared the circle about someone scoring 30 goals for them. That, to me, still seems to be evidently missing from their playlist. And I don't understand the signings of David Alisi. I don't understand what they're signing him Michael for. Michael Alisi. Sorry, Michael Alisi, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't understand the perspective behind that. But clearly, they. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that Pochettino is involved in these discussions and wanting these players and wanting to be involved in the acquisition of players that are going to give him an outcome because he's signed on. What to is do the a strategy, Simon? How I, would you describe the strategy? Um, I, I genuinely don't know. Scattergun. I think it's. I think it's. I think, it's, I think it, there is an element of scattergun about it, and I think that clearly they're they're spending money on the basis of building a team to compete and to try and win. And they've got you know, if you're paying two and a half billion pounds for a football club, I always maintain that the smallest amount of money you ever buy pays the first check you write. So they're de- they're desperately in pursuit of trying to achieve that outcome because even spending two and a half billion, they're going like gangbusters to try and catch up with spending more in the transfer market. And look, clearly their 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 position is to win. You know, Tom Bowley's outlook is everybody like like that fellow said yesterday, they've overpaid for Chelsea. I cannot understand how they get their money back. I cannot understand at some point how they achieve what a private equity firm wants to achieve, which is a decent return on investment. Because they're going they're going after it with enormous resources and they're not and they're making a lot of mistakes. But those mistakes I don't think are being repeated. I don't understand the Michael Alisi signing. I don't know what that adds to them. I think he's a winger that does certain things at certain levels. He's a good player. But I don't think he turns Chelsea into a Champions League side. I think he just adds to a decent squad. What, what they're doing, Danny, is exactly what they said they'd do. In, 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 in their own vernacular. You know, Last season, producer Luke and I went to Cobham for this briefing. And we were told the Americans weren't, quotes, here to screw around. This is what they mean by that. Well, the only positive... I say the only. One of the positives of what they're doing is they're, they're going young. And they're trusting. They've got a manager who can definitely improve players. That's what he has proven himself to be good at. So a lot of these young so players, a, strategy. a lot of these young players are going to get better. And you would imagine and hope that the forthcoming windows over the next couple of years, they won't need to do much business because the amount they're doing now. Yeah. But Elise is a strange. Well, it's it's good business because you've got a clause at thirty five. But it is a strange one when you've got Mudrich, Madueke, Sterling, and Cuckoo and Jackson, who can all play wide. That's five, off the top of my head. Yeah, There's probably others. Yeah. So let's say let's say he goes. He's not going to play every week. He is potentially going to get better. But I I I was talking on Monday night about the Chelsea scenario and what they've spent. And I asked the question: Give me one Chelsea player that gets in City's team because they're trying to win the league, aren't they? Trying to win the Champions League in the league. Otherwise, what are they doing? One player that gets in City. Yeah, and the only well, come... I'll give you him Caicedo. He, he, he's nowhere near Rodri. Doesn't play instead of Rodri. Not in a million years. Doesn't play instead of De Bruyne. Doesn't, doesn't play instead of Bernardo Silva. The only player is maybe Chilwell. And I'd, to be honest, if you're playing the way City play defensively, Akanji's played left-back against Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, some of the best wingers in the world. None of them had a kick. Mm. If I had a game tomorrow, I'd have a Kanji. So Chilwell is the only argument. Now, if you're trying to build a team to, to win the league, and win the Champions League, what you should be doing in recruitment is going, who can we get? Let's look at the team who's the best in the world. How they play, who the type of players they've got. Have we got someone? So they've gone for Caicedo. Fair enough. He could become somebody as effective as Rodri because he's a super talent. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But he certainly wouldn't be in ahead of Rodri now. So they are nowhere near Man City. And they've spent nearly a billion quid. They're nowhere near them. There's a Chelsea fan taking you to task, Danny. How is it scattergun? Chelsea lost Canty, Jorginho, Mount. I didn't say that, I didn't say everything. Well, Lucy but, comes but the in on the right wing and they play a three-five-two. Well, sorry, no, I will stick to that scattergun. It, it, it's scattergun because they keep buying lots of players for, for similar positions. Yeah. So they haven't really got an out-and-out striker, and they've got six wingers. That's scattergun. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good point he makes right now. How many mm. uh, how many Chelsea players would get in that City team? But to be honest, Simon, I I think this morning the question is, is this going to guarantee them top four? And you're of the opinion, yeah. Well, it bloody the well way, the way, it ought to. <laughs> it bloody well ought to. And that's why Pochettino's been brought in. And Danny's makes the point. I think Danny's right about the scattergun approach because we're not just talking about this transfer window. We're talking about how many players they've bought since the guy walked through the door. This is an overall evaluation, a swap report on what Todd Bowley's done since he walked through the door. And he's spent a billion pounds and bought X amount of players, bought in managers that didn't cut it, bought in Frank Lampard that couldn't do it. Everything at this moment in time has been a little bit scattergun. It's been knee-jerk. It's been thinking about what they're trying to achieve without actually understanding how to deliver it. And you think this is still the same? No, I think this is... Because you said that Bowley would learn from Lampard. Well, of course, it, I think well, he'll learn from it, and I think well, that, not in this evidence. Well, it depends who's if 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 we believe that Bowley is behind and solely behind the acquisition of these players, then we can suggest that it's going down the same pathway. I don't think he is. I think that um, Pochettino has come in the door and is denoting the players that he wants and the reasons why he wants them. And I think Chelsea are now um, buying players that perhaps are more conversant with the manager's requirements rather than the expectation of a group of technical directors behind the scenes suggesting what Chelsea should be doing and could be doing. But Bully just says yes to everyone. Well, to some extent, that's the job of an owner. The job of an owner is to say yes or no. It can't be the job of an owner to say, well, yes, based upon the fact if he plays up front and if he's and actually I want him playing wide left and actually I want to play him in a hole. If he's getting to those sort of conversations, then that's ridiculous. Yeah. The job of an owner is to say yes or no and how much. Well, they've got, let's put it this way, right? Pochettino, unusually for him, set up with two wing-backs, Reese James and Chilwell at the weekend. He's got five wingers. Not even playing wingers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they, well, they, they signed they sign Badia Shield for loads of money. He doesn't play because they've got Colwell back, who's basically a similar player, tall, athletic, left-footed, good footballer. They signed Cucurella as a backup left-back to Chilwell for £60 million as a backup left-back. I mean, that, if that's not scattergun, what is? And we can go on and on and on. Fafana was 80 quid. I know he's had injuries, but he's not playing. There's Darren, a Chelsea fan, Jim Tell, Danny, Enzo Fernandez walks into that team. Instead of who? <laughs> Ask him instead of who if he's playing. If he's not a holding midfielder, which Enzo himself says he isn't, he did an interview saying he's a, he's a, more, he's a number eight. Well, he's got to take De Bruyne's place and he couldn't lace his boot. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. And Danny, you're coming in for a fair bit of state. You were, you were saying that? to myself and Simon, how many of the current Chelsea squad would get in the Manchester City team? Mm. I threw in Caicedo, you blew it back at me, saying no. Rodri, well, there's one Chelsea fan. Danny, listen, Enzo, Reese James, Colwell, Caicedo, uh, Unkuku, they could all be in the City team at some stage, maybe not now, but at some stage during this season. They will emerge. Well, I said at the beginning, they've got some tremendous young talent. And they've got a, the perfect manager, which is a positive. I said that. He, he could make a lot of these players better. And then there's a debate somewhere down the line that they could evolve into a side that's competitive. But right now, they're not. So they are going down a route where they're looking at long term. They have to be. Because right now, they're not, they're not good enough to, to take over City. Nowhere near it. Reese James is a wonderful player. I, I mean, Chill was a good player. Well, you can name all these players. They're good players. I'm not saying they're not. But when you're trying to over, overturn or overcome or overtake is the word the best side in the world and you want to become champions of England again and you want to win the Champions League again, which they've done in recent history, you've got to look at the best team and right as of now, they're not near it. None of these players that Chelsea have signed Man City have been in for. No. I mean, City would take Rhys James tomorrow. Of course they would, no doubt. Enzo Fernandez would be a, a good squad player at Man City and might evolve into a player that's really, really good. This, this isn't me saying they've got bad players. 
But the fans have to understand this Chelsea rebuild is going to take some time. But in the here and now, right? This idea that we can all wait for Chelsea's players to mature into a good side. So what, Man City are going to stand still then, are they? That's Man true. Man City are not going to get better themselves. So the fact of the matter is you deal with the here and now in football. And the here and now is is that the bulk of those players that Chelsea have bought, Man City didn't want, didn't need, and possibly wouldn't get in their side. And there are arguments about whether Reece, um, um is better than Carl Walker. I'm, I'm a Carl Walker fan. I think Carl Walker is an outstanding I'm a fan of both. Me. I'm a fan of both. But I think Danny's argument isn't particularly off the mark. I mean, you're going to have tribalism saying, oh, yes, for that and that for this. But the, the, the bottom line is, is Man City the best team in the Premier League. Man City have won the Premier League for the last four seasons. There's a distinct possibility they're going to win it this year. So it's a moot point anyway, because mm. Chelsea's objective is to overtake Man City. And this ain't objective. Also, this ain't just a step. There's a lot, most Premier League teams I'd say the same about, not just Chelsea. You know, you could argue, I'm a Liverpool man. There's probably, what, Mo Salah would sneak in on the right, probably. Um... Virgil van Dijk, there's an argument at his best, would get close, probably get in alongside Diaz. And then, you you know... But you think then for you, the second season running, though, it's scattergun approach by Chelsea? I think they've just signed too many and caused a problem for the manager. You're going to have a lot of unhappy players there. You're, you're, they're they're, they're top-heavy wingers. And without a 30-goal striker, I say top-heavy, without a proper striker, which is unbelievable. I think Nkuku was probably going to play that role because he's the most established goal scorer of the group. Unfortunately for Chelsea, he's injured. I like the midfield signings, both good players, really good players, and that's going to bolster them. But I still don't see them at the moment, as Simon said, that this is something football doesn't really give people time. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Download, stand well back. Listen, Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. George, a big Chelsea fan. George, good morning. I've got to say this, you do make me laugh. Okay, you do make me laugh with your red tinted glasses on all the time. You just actually said that Mo Salah 
and Virgil van Dijk would get that Man City side. Possibly, but, I said. Possibly, okay. Yeah. And you're comparing Casido, a 21-year-old, to a 27-year-old Rodri. I didn't you know? compare. No, I was asked. Jim said he'd get in. Okay. Jim right. said Casido would get in the City team, and I said he wouldn't get ahead of Rodri. Okay, well, before everyone starts crying into their cups of tea and coffees again, like Chelsea are building for the future. That's what okay? I said. Yeah, they yeah, they've, they've, they've spent a lot of money, okay? And they're not building for the next, like, two years. They're building for the next 10 years, you know? And Todd Bowie will get a, a way round sanctions and whatever. You know, it was only 18 months ago, people were saying how Chelsea were finished and we were skinsky and stuff like that. The media <laughs> had this agenda against us. And at the end of the day, we got Pochettino now. And if you looked at it on Sunday, we went 1-0 down. And the way that we came together, regrouped, we bossed, uh, we bossed them off that field. George, you know, can I ask you, ask, can I, George, I should have called you Eddie Hearn. What, is, what does an agenda look like when people call out things for the simple fact that they are? I mean, Chelsea were a decent football club, but you were elevated by one man's money and you were manufactured into a club that won things. You've had scant regard for the financial la- landscape. You've got Todd Bowley coming in and I've made a case for suggesting that you'll be able to get around financial fair play this season. But if you have a season that doesn't get you into the Champions League, which is a distinct possibility if you're still trying to build, you're going to lose hundreds of millions of pounds. And it's not about getting around sanctions. If football's got anything about it, you're going to get sanctioned quite heavily for the losses that you're looking like you're going to make if you aren't able to get some achievements on the pitch in real times. That's not an agenda by anybody. There's a just bleeding statement it's a fact. Yeah, but like, at the, it, you know, with football, it, it, it is a gamble. But I'm guaranteed, I can't, can't guarantee you, but Chelsea will be top four. They will be pushing Man City this season. You could already see it. I think they'll you be top four. I think you're right. Yeah. I, I, think, I think they've got a brilliant manager who I like a lot, who has a track record of improving young players, definitely. So they're going to get better. And they could possibly get tough. It depends how the other teams do. We'll have to wait and see. But they're not going to be challenging Man City for the title. So I cannot see that. George, you think years. Chelsea get into the top four and muscle who out? Newcastle, presumably. I think Chelsea will be top four. 100% Chelsea will be top four. I even think Chelsea will be top three, if not pushing Man City all the way. All right. I think with Pochettino, with Pochettino, that team that they've got is a young team. It's hungry. As long as people like Reese James and Chilwell can stay fit, that's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah, yeah. The problem. George, no okay. agenda, I can assure you. Makes me smile, that, an agenda in the media. Jay, big Chelsea fan. Jay, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jay. Morning. First time caller, long time listener. Well oh, done, good man. to have you on board, mate. So, what do you think? Fantastic show. Thank, um, thank really, you. the uh, the point that's made me want to phone up so much is the comment that Danny has just made in regards to Enzo Fernandez would not lace Kevin De Bruyne's boots at the moment. No. So has Kevin De Bruyne got a World Cup in his trophy cabinet? Oh God. Okay, is that the way you base players' ability on a trophy they won? Well, Enzo Fernandez also won best young player at the last in the World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah. Bear in mind, he didn't play what the first two games. I don't think. Correct. So for me, that's pretty pretty good argument to say that he probably would lace Kevin De Bruyne's boots. That's well, I mean, if age. if you want to be a if you want to be pedantic about the wording, I mean, okay, you could harsh wording is it? Will he one day be able to? Maybe can he now? No, he, he's not. He's not on the same level. He's not in the same ballpark as De Bruyne. Anyone who watches football or knows football will tell you that. There's, he's, he's potentially a very, very good footballer. But at the moment, we were talking about what mm. Chelsea players would get in Man City's team. And if Enzo's playing as an eight, which is where he wants to play, and look damn good at it against Liverpool, by the way, but he's nowhere near De Bruyne. 
Again, away from individuals. I mean, uh, Jay, should should Pochettino be delivering top four as a minimum requirement with this squad? Well, in my opinion, yeah, I believe so. I mean, obviously, we don't have the European fixtures to contest for this season, so we can just purely, I would imagine, con- yeah, we've got the Cups, obviously, but they're not as intense games and there's not as much travelling involved. So, in my opinion, yes. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Simon, it begs a question, what are the people at your old club, Crystal Palace, at the top of the club doing at the moment? Because it seems they're almost giving them away. Zaha out the door. Olise, 35 million, heading to Chelsea. And what about Eze? Is he going to be next on the list? Roy Hodgson last week spoke about all this ongoing speculation regarding Olise for one and Eze. When I came back here, I was happy to accept uh... Steve Parrish's invitation to come back, but I did so really hoping that I would be working at least with the team that we had towards the end of last season and hopefully even pushing on from there, always with the probably, fear is the wrong word, but with the awareness that maybe Wilf would not sign a new contract. That's been an easier thing to come to terms with, but it would be... uh, of course, a bitter blow now if we have to start the new season with other of our top players being tempted away from us or, or, or other clubs coming in and persuading Crystal Palace to sell them. But I must say that there is no desire on the club's part to sell any of those players and we cannot, of course, avoid speculation that other clubs will be interested in players of that quality. Well, that was Roy then. Uh, yeah, big, wasn't it? Since then, Chelsea have agreed a £35 million deal for Elisi by triggering a clause in his contract yeah. at Palace. So it's goodbye to him. It might be goodbye Eze as well. Um, what, what's actually happening here? Is it now OK to question the club's ambition? Um, I'm not sure that's fair. I mean, ultimately, you've got this stark, glaring situation where you've got a huge rival between the two clubs in Brighton being so successful at this moment in time, both on the pitch... And in their and then their recruitment of players and seeming to get so much of it right, um, the fact that Palace recruited Elise um, tells you that they've got a good scouting network and are bringing players through from other football clubs that no one really had on their radar in terms of no other club was looking to get Elise in front of Chris Palace or able to do so. The challenge is when you get these players in the door, what contract you put them under, and clearly Palace have put them under a contract with a release clause of thirty five million quid. Now that might have been a conditioned precedent of the player signing for Palace. He might have said, Well, I'll sign for you, but I want a release clause in there and it's got to be a reasonable release clause. So so Palace may have been forced into that situation by signing the player. So it puts them in a situation where this isn't about ambition. If you ask Palace would they have wanted to sell Elise? Probably the answer is no. Roy Hodgson just addressed it and said that there's no desire inside the football club. I've come back, well, he's done everyone a favour by coming back, has he? That would seem the sounding of Roy there, but that may be just me a little bit irritated with his attitude last time he was on the yeah, show. Yeah, I think so. You've oh, got to let that that's go. Bloody you know. unnecessary. But Everyone's anyway, that's, allowed that's a bad That's a different discussion. Right? <laughs> it's all gone. But the point is this, is that this is not about Palace's ambition. This is about the unfortunate nature of a clause in a contract which has triggered it. Right? Which they let Some would in. say that Alexis McAllister let out of Brighton economically. This is a World Cup winner. What did he go to Liverpool for? Just a similar 40, wasn't it? There you go. 40. So 40. is that a lack of ambition on Brighton's part or was that just a simple scenario of a contract that you got caught in with a player that ultimately is overachieved or achieved at a certain level which has caught other people's attention? They could now, renegotiate his contract Well, they the could, knowledge that others will come in. Only if the player is receptive to that. Yes. So with that in mind, if the player is not receptive to that, then you've got a different challenge in your mind. Right? Right. If you've signed him on a three or four-year contract and the player's that's already done and you're not necessarily assuming that out of left field 
you know, Chelsea are going to come along and pay 35 million quid. Yes, you could do. And, and to be fair, Brighton attempted to, but Alexis McAllister still went out the door for 40 million quid. So Brighton would have had Alexis McAllister on probably even a worse contract and might have even got less money for it if they hadn't had the foresight before the World Cup to tie him down to a new contract, which is what they did. Right. Now, the question is about Palace. Yeah. And I'm not going to defend Palace just because I happen to be involved with them once upon a time. I think you have to be objective. If... Eze starts coming under pressure in terms of all of a sudden Palace are starting to, uh, to to move towards selling him, then you're going to say, what's going on here? Because unless there's a release clause in um, the contract for Eze, it becomes an open market discussion. And if someone wants to pry Eze out of Crystal Palace, then they're going to have to pay a lot of money for that. And if they do then sell it... Then there's going to be a debate about well, what is it you're trying to achieve? What is it your what is what is your game plan? Where are you going? The ownership models of Brighton and Palace are starkly different right now. You can see it for yourselves. Despite having uh, Parish in control and having ultimately American money having bankrolled him for years, there's no ambition to push Palace forward uh, and to ultimately get them to a situation where they're competing at the top end of the league. Or there's no outcome to that end. Brighton have done it slightly differently. This, Tony Bloom is getting a lot of plaudits, but he's bankrolled an enormous amount of, of financial obligation upon himself and Brighton over the years. It's cost him enormous amounts of money, enormous amounts of money, not just from the acquisition of the stadium, but from the constant support that he's given the football club. Yeah, but they've got themselves to Europe. Yes, because... You could achieved... argue Palace cannot get to the next stage. Well, this is the question you have to ask yourself. Why is that? Is that That's not simply because of a lack of ambition. That's because of the, cap- the capability of the people that Palace have brought in. Which is fine. Palace brought in Patrick Vieira. Everybody went, oh, Patrick Vieira, that's great fantastic right whereas the difference between palace and brighton is brighton brought in graham potter did a better job off the back of the of the of the platform that chris um Hewton gave him and and their recruitment with dan ashworth and everything was, was better than palaces it's not a lack of ambition it's a lack of talent what you, that what, they've got what you got to judge palace on is what how are they trying to be the best they can be in within their financial restrictions so zaha's gone and they've brought in, they spent 20 million on a young Brazilian kid, Franca, who looks a super talent. He's going to please the fans. He's a get off your seat type player. He's got wonderful skill and tries things, and he's very Brazilian. And he's got a bit about him. He's going to be an interesting one. Um, so they've brought in somebody who plays in a similar position, like for like in there, not in terms of quality yet, but in terms of filling the void of that. Mm-hmm. Someone's triggered a clause that they allowed Elise to have. Now, you would hope that the people in recruitment at Palace would think, this could happen. Yes. So they'll have some irons in the fire already. But they, they, Crystal Palace fans are going to have to wait to judge the club's ambition based on what they do if Elise goes. So if they bring nobody in, and Roy's got to start the season without Zara and Elise, and then they're relying on a young Brazilian lad who's never played in the Prem, this is then, it. then they've got some questions well, to ask. Well, the fundamentals between... If you were to compare, say, the progress of Brighton and Brentford as two comparative football clubs that don't spend inordinate amounts of money on transfer fees and seem to be managing a very successful set of players operating at a higher level than Crystal Palace currently are, I would suggest to you that the common, the common phenomenon between those two football clubs is the recruitment of a manager that's worked for them. Mm. Thomas Frank has worked for Brentford. End of discussion. Whatever Thomas Frank is or whatever Thomas Frank isn't, he's a very good football manager that's done a very good job for Brentford. You then go across um, to Brighton and you say, fantastic job that Graham Potter did. And this new fella's come in and picked up the mantle and and, and the baton and run with it even faster. Whereas Palace have seemed to go on round in the circuitous route of trying to find some some outcomes and constantly find themselves in an ever-decreasing circle. So they're always playing catch-up a little bit. They're playing catch-up. I mean, is it fair to say, Simon, if you rounded up some Palace fans last season and said, who's our three best players? Zaha, Olise, Eze. 
And they're the three we're talking about this morning. Yeah. Two have gone, one might uh, one might go too. Yeah, they might talk about the centre-back as well. They might talk about a few other players sure, uh, sure. at Palace rather than just the obvious ones. I just find it hard to think, how are Palace going to go to the next level? Like Newcastle have done. Their chairman said, we're already at the next well, they're level. they're not. I get that. They're, you not. Get, they're you not. Sometimes you have to be happy with your lot. Yeah, but you don't have to be happy with your lot because the nature of football... You can progress, but you can't get to that level. Well, you can get to the level that Brighton and Brentford are repeatedly at and Palace are struggling to get to. Well, look, they're not repeatedly at, are they? Brighton, well, are, Brighton are a similar... Uh, well, sorry, Brentford talk, similar to Palace. We're talking about... Brentford, Brentford are achieving this more Brighton's than Palace. This is Brighton's first time Bre- Brentford are yeah. achieving more than Palace. Brighton, they've only been in the league Brighton, two Brighton, they've got, they, Brighton have been a good side for two or three years now. Yeah, but the first time they've been in Europe. Sure. So whether you finish ninth or I'm not 13. talking about Europe, right? I'm, I mean, that is one of those you moments mean in, terms in time. Of the, I'm talking about Palace being yeah. in the top half of the table rather than looking down. Yeah. They should be looking up a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. And the problem is, is that the economic might isn't there. The yeah. appetite from the owners isn't there. They don't have a Tony Bloom in the background that says, in the event there's some bridging needed, I'll step in and bridge the financing on that. They don't seem to have the quality of resource behind the scenes that the, clearly that Brighton and possibly even Brentford have. They don't have the lateral and literal thinking that both Benham and Bloom have because they're both cut from the same cloth Benham and Bloom are both guys that work in the betting industry both deal with actuarism and both deal with the algorithm of understanding how players could be bought and why they should be bought so they clearly haven't got the same recruitment and then you look at their recruitment policy in the dugout and it does look a bit haphazard I think that's more key I think that's because the actually the recruitment all, all of all of these signings at Brentford and Brighton would have gone for nothing if the manager wasn't deploying them properly and True. coaching them and getting them better exactly yes. but, yeah. but, but when you actually look at Palace's recruitment they've made a lot yeah. of good signings now Absolutely. Eze was a great sign. It's been Not a just Eze. When you look at Anderson, Anderson Gahey, yeah. I mean, you're talking, they, what, they, 20 million each? They paid good money for those well, players. Well, it's not though. a lot these days. 25 million for you a You could double back. your money on both of those tomorrow. Easily. Yeah, maybe. Easily. Maybe. And, they've, and, and Mitchell, st- he'd come through at left-back from, yeah. from the academy. Yeah. There, there's ways and means, but I think Simon makes a great point, and, and it is the main point at most football clubs. You have got recruitment, which is key, but if the manager gets his foot in the door, stabilises things and then improves those players you've got. Everyone, could... everyone looks yeah. wonderful. Everyone, yeah. yeah, life is a heck of a lot better. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station. Talk sport. UEFA Super Cup tonight Manchester City are in Athens uh, where they are playing Sevilla of course Sevilla got rid of uh, Mourinho's Roma in the final of the Europa League so City go into battle tonight for that particular trophy but they'll do it without Kevin De Bruyne in fact they'll do many games without Kevin De Bruyne in the next few weeks because he's out for at least four, mu- four months um, it's a big big blow not least to City but of course for De Bruyne himself a hamstring injury and Pep Guardiola spoke about this and he couldn't help but have a little dig at the schedule. Give me 20, 25 days of preparation. Give me 25 days and you will not be injured. And of course, we could, we could say don't play. And, but I would say if he's injured in minute 65, 17, maybe it will be more responsibility. But it is 15 minutes. It's because I, but before they take a decision, I spoke with the doctors, the physios, with him. And he told me I feel good, I feel good. I said, okay, it's better start for half time, 40 minutes, and after the second time. But unfortunately, it happened. So, I mean, what do we know, Simon? He came off in the 23rd minute of City's 3 0 win over Burnley on Friday night. It's a recurrence of his hamstring injury. Yep. Uh, Guardiola had been quite defensive here, but also having a bit of a dig at it, give me 25 days of preparation, and he would not be injured. Don't play him then for 25 days if that's what you want. I mean, ultimately, he makes a point. He says if it was after 65 minutes and we'd left him on and he did it in that particular time, then we'd take some more responsibility ourselves. But when it's inside the first 20 minutes, then we have to look at the fact that the player wasn't ready. But 
you you signed him off. Your physio signed him off. You were asked if you asked yourself. It's a reoccurrence, you, isn't it? You obviously had you obviously had reticence, otherwise you wouldn't be asking. So you you asked whether he was fit enough, and it proved that he wasn't. That that at this moment in time has nothing to do with scheduling. That's not to do with scheduling. That's to do with choices, and that's to do with the fact that the player has a recurring injury, and the player is coming to a stage in his career where these sort of injuries might be more prevalent for him. That's a simple fact of the matter, and that is on them. That's on nobody else. They can they can they can deflect and 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 use it as their stock argument that everything is woe is them. But in this instance, which I don't think he's making that much of a production about it, he's simply saying, "Give me twenty five days." Well, then, if you really needed that with the benefit of hindsight, because one of the great things about people like Pep Guardiola is they don't really need hindsight very often, because good people don't need hindsight, otherwise, <laughs> you know, they wouldn't be good people. In this instance, he needs hindsight. But the bottom line is, if he needed 25 days, why does he know that now rather than then? And if he doesn't know it then, then the bottom line is, who else is going to know it? And the reality of it is, is what's that got to do with scheduling? Nothing. The problem is with injuries, you can always, afterwards, maybe we should have done this, maybe we should have done that. It can happen to anyone at any time, and it's easy to blame the schedule. And the fact is that your squad has to be built. It's done. They've won the league without De Bruyne for a huge majority of the season a couple of years ago. You know they've got a wonderful squad. I would be amazed if they didn't dip into the market anyway because they lost Mares, who was a you know large chunk of goals and, and assists. Yeah. Um, and they've only really brought in Kovacic, haven't they, in the midfield? So with Gundogan going as and a well, seventy-seven million pound centre back. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about creativity. Mm. Yeah, centre-back's a great buy. Yeah. But if you lose Mares and Gundogan's creative element, which is very high, output on assists and goals from them two is always good. Yeah. But, he, yeah. but Mares was I mean, in and out of the side, though, He was in it? and out, but he yeah. was still contributing. When yeah. when you look at City's goals and assists, he's always numbers all, are always good. All clubs. And, and he was it, top goal scorer. Surely Forden looks most likely to step up. So, yeah, sorry, sorry. Going to the, the, the point where I think we're going is how do they replace him? Yeah. I think you can do a few things. You can play Foden in that role. He's a different type. Nobody in the City squad's got... no, Well, no, not very, like far, very few. You can sign Lucas Paqueta. Yeah. yeah. Paqueta would be a good signing for them. I mean, he's no, nobody... There's nobody in the world who's got end product like him, really. De Bruyne. So it's... it's, it's it, Which they were going to do anyway. They were going to do, gonna anyway. do anyway. anyway. I yeah. think it will speed that. And, and West Ham might be able to nick another 10 million off him. I mean, the bottom line is, is that every team... In every part of the of the of the pyramid, has challenges mm. with the, their best players and with players in their squad. But let's not leave, lose focus on the fact that Man City have probably got one of the best squads in world football. They've got depth. You lose De Bruyne, but they've got enough quality, and there is enough distance between them and everyone else at this moment in time that they'll be able to weather this. It's, it's not ideal though. to lose De Bruyne. It it's a, yeah, it's yeah, a blow. Yeah, yeah. Simon, I get what you're saying, but this is Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, I, I, I must admit, I think this is a different case altogether. If, if this was a story this morning and we're putting it out there and it's, he's going to miss probably a minimum of four games, City fans would be four. Yeah. yeah, probably. Probably. All right. Yeah, we can do it without him for that. What we know here is that De Bruyne could miss the next 22 matches, including all the Champions League group stage games. Mm -hmm. Just so, come back for when they win the last 20 games. <laughs> the group yeah. stage game's fine. They'll take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. But here is where they're going to miss him. Well, you, you always miss quality, but it gives someone else an opportunity. So when you look at the squad... Well, he would have played against Newcastle this Saturday night. He's not going to be around. Yeah, but then what Then if you what you'll do is you'll read the team sheet and you think, oh, no, De Bruyne, who's playing instead of him? Phil Foden. Right. Genius. Young kid who's got all types of ability to, to open you up and beat you with his skill and his vision, his technical ability. Yeah, but you told us earlier no one can lace his boots. I didn't say, the, I didn't say nobody, but I, I, I'm not saying he's as good as De Bruyne. There was a lacing of boots metaphor in there. Yes. Right. 
for, okay. for so, Cachado and Chelsea players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Foden yeah. scores and makes goals. That's what he does, right? Bernardo Silva, he's a creative player. He can play. So if what I'm saying, if you're Eddie Howe and you look at the team sheet, yes, you think no De Bruyne, but we've still got a problem. The Man City are not a one-man team by no. any shot. Jack Grealish. So if the team lines up at the weekend with Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva and Haaland as your front four, you've still got a lot yeah, of problems. Yeah, Newcastle's knees will still be knocking because they'll be conscious of the reality of what they've got. Yes, De Bruyne is a loss, but there's enough in that dressing room. They've spent enough money, they've got enough quality, they've got the best coach. These are the moments. And they'll buy one anyway. These are the they'll moments. Someone, and, and, and it's not like we're going to be bleeding, you know, crying into our cups because like he just said, they'll go buy the boy from West Ham. Mm. And so mm. with that in mind, whilst it won't be De Bruyne, the fact of the matter is you've got all the resources, you've got some adversity, these are the moments. We can all win when all our best players are fit and everything's going our way. You've lost De Bruyne. I would wager you that Man City will still be a dominant force. It might just help everyone else in the Premier League, give them a little bit of a lift, the fact that De Bruyne is not there, maybe unsettle Man City. I don't think it will. I think Foden will step in if he does. I think he'll want to prove a point. I think he'll want to own that spot. And he's got an opportunity to have unfettered access to it. Do you think yeah. City as well? They always take a while to get going. Mm. Always. Yep. They're, ne they're never relentless at the beginning of the season. They're always relentless well, the second part. Okay, not too far well, away we've from we've gone from, nobody can lease his books, to De Bruyne, who needs him. It's 12 noon. <laughs> Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review. Wherever you get your podcast from, we'll be back tomorrow.